back tables. Okay, so at this time, we are going to welcome back Scott McIntyre, who has come all the way from Grim Grimsby? St. Catharines. Okay, even further than Grimsby. But, but a lovely drive. I'm sure it was this morning. Brilliant sunshine, and you wouldn't be facing into the sun either, which is good. Anyway, Scott, we'll turn it over to you at this time. Why don't you stand up for a moment? Stand up, if you will. Shake it a little bit. There we go. Get yourself comfortable again there. That is all right. Good to be back with you. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for sunshine. Thank you for the community of your church here. Thank you for fellowship among the believers and families gathered together. Father, we thank you that today we, we remember Father's Day, but thank you most of all that you are the loving Father who has given us of every good thing that you've supplied, every good thing you've created, everything you've set forth, you've granted to us, and we thank you. Thank you that you are the Father of the beloved Son, Jesus, and we find ourselves in him, united with him, united in your household. And we thank you that as we look again at your word here together for a few minutes today, that your Holy Spirit is present to help us with understanding, with insight, with the comfort of your love and the knowledge of your faithfulness and your kindness. So we thank you for your help today and always. We give you thanks, O oh God, for who you are and all you've granted to us. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. The sun is shining. The birds are singing. I think. I don't know if I heard birds this morning or not. Certainly nice to be back with you. Any fathers in the room? Happy Father's Day. Great to see everybody. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers watching online and to everybody. A Sunday morning greeting for you there with your coffee or your cereal or your whatever you're up to. Maybe you got us in your ears while you're working outside. I don't know. But great to be with you to look at the Word of God here together for a few minutes today. Now, some of you were with us last week, and you've not slept well since. No, I shouldn't say that. I hope you slept very well. Last week was math. How many remember that? Math, we, we put a math problem on the screen, and people's faces went white. What am I supposed to do with that? So I'll give you a break on the math this week. We'll do some geography instead. How about that? That'd be all right. But last week we talked about, we, we, we used math just as a little illustration for Jesus being our point of reference. Remember last week we showed some fractions on the board, and we learned in, when, we were, when we were younger in school, we learned, well, if you're going to add seven-eighths and five-sixteenths and three-quarters, you got to find a way to relate them all to each other before you can add them up, right? It's similar with Jesus. If we're going to have some understanding from the Bible cover to cover, we need Jesus as our point of reference. That's what we're going to look at a little bit more this morning. With him as our point of reference, then many portions of the Bible, they will open up to us much more than maybe they have in times past. Have you ever opened the Old Testament and read a portion from the Old Testament and just went? If you're like me, you went. Blah, blah, blah. And it, 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 it just, we always say, that. it went right over my head. I didn't catch anything. I read it and it made no sense and I had no way of relating to it. I don't understand it. 
And maybe you never read it again, or maybe you tried to tackle it again the next day or something. How many of you share my affliction on that particular? Yeah. Even in the New Testament, there's stuff I read, and I, I don't know. But I think you've discovered some in recent years, and I know I've discovered some in recent years, as I've had opportunity, that if we take Jesus as the point of reference, even when we go back and visit the Old Testament, things start to open up. And we say, ah, now I see why that was written. It's not just telling me about a nation hundreds of years ago, although there is that truth as well. It's pointing me to someone greater. Oh, i got to say amen on that even before we get started here today. It's pointing me to someone greater. Amen. Geography. Oh, boy. The Jordan. You see the map there? How many of you can see the Jordan River? The, the, the second little blue blob from the top, that's the Sea of Galilee. Can you see that okay? I don't know if it's how, how big it is at the back there. The Sea of Galilee, and then the big blue blob down at the bottom right, that's the Dead Sea, or the Sea of Arab, or the Salt Sea, whatever term you want to read from the Old Testament. And running between the two is the Jordan River. Okay? How many of you have read something about the Jordan River in the Bible? It's there more than once, right? So you see on the right there, the word Jordan means this. It means to descend or to flow down. That would suggest to me that the Jordan River is probably flowing down in that picture. Flowing from, in this case, it would be from north to south, from the Sea of Galilee down to the Dead Sea. Please keep that in mind over the next few minutes. Flowing down. You say, where on earth are we going with this? We'll, we'll go to the Bible in a minute or two. Don't worry about it. We'll be okay. Jordan means to flow down. It's the river that's descending or the river that's flowing down. Now, it's not just one time you read about the Jordan. We're going to read about it a couple of times here. But there's, there's frequent times in the Scriptures where things are happening near or beside or in the area of the Jordan River. So we'll give our attention to that a little bit. If you have your Bible with you or if you have your Bible on your phone or your watch or wherever you keep your Bible these days, go ahead and open to the book of Joshua, if you would. Joshua chapter 3 in the kind of the, the early portion of the Old Testament there. Joshua chapter 3. Joshua chapter 3. You can punch it in on Bible Gateway or whatever you have to find your Bible on your electronic device there. Or if you're like me, you got the paper right here in front of you. Joshua chapter 3. What's happening in the book of Joshua? Let me remember the guy. Joshua, whose sidekick was he? To start with, he was the side. He was kind of Moses' sidekick in the early days, right? Now, some of you are 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 are, are farther along in years than I am. Some of you aren't as far along in years as I am. But to me, Moses is Charlton Heston. Is that right? How many of you saw the Ten Commandments years and years ago? And in my mind, Moses is Charlton Heston in a red robe with white stripes on it. Because that's how Charlton Heston, I, I can't picture Moses any other way. That's just who he is, right? And I picture Joshua, I don't know, the, I don't know who the actor was who played Joshua alongside Charlton Heston, but I picture Joshua the same way, because I've never seen an actual picture of Moses, there isn't any. 
But in my mind, just for being silly, that's Moses, that's Joshua. It works for me. I don't know if it works for you or not. But as we come to the book of Joshua, here's something important to remember. It's a different sermon altogether, so I'm not going to elaborate. But God has said to Joshua, he has said, Moses is dead. That's a sermon title all of its own. We'll leave it alone for now. And Joshua is now leading the nation of Israel. And as we come into Joshua chapter 3, as you recall from, from, from the history given to us in the Scriptures, Israel has been wandering for years and years and years and years in the wilderness. And now as we pick up in Joshua chapter 3, they are near the Jordan River on the east side. And God has spoken to Joshua and said, just a few more days from now, you're crossing over. And where were they going? They were going to cross over into what is called the promised land, right? They've been wandering for years and years with Moses. Now they're coming to the Jordan River, and they're about to cross into the promised land. Let's read a little bit. Joshua chapter 3. Have you got it there? Let's start at verse 14. Verse 14. So it was when the people set out from their camp to cross over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and as those who bore the ark came to the Jordan, and the feet of the priests who bore the ark dipped in the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time of harvest, that the waters which came down from upstream stood still and rose in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zaratan. So the waters went down into the Sea of the Arabah, the Salt Sea, or the Dead Sea, those waters failed and were cut off, and the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Then the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel crossed over on dry ground until all the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. Now, I'm being a little selfish today because in recent years, this has become one of my favorite portions of Scripture. And you may have just read it and said, why on earth would this be anybody's favorite portion of Scripture? I don't get it. Well, let's look at something else here just for a moment. You see another passage of Scripture here written right below it. John chapter 1, verse 28. I won't turn there for now, but this is hundreds of years later. We read what happened at the Jordan River with Joshua and the priests and the people crossing the river into the promised land. Fast forward several centuries, and we're back at the Jordan River again. There's a guy by the name of John the Baptist, and he happens to encounter another guy named Jesus. And we're told that the ministry of John the Baptist, when he was baptizing people as he did, how many of you remember that from the story, that people would come to him and he would baptize them? Where do you suppose that happened? He baptized them in the Jordan River. But something we need to take note of, when the people of Israel with Joshua crossed the Jordan River, they did so right near where, do you, do you see right above the Dead Sea, the word Jericho? That's where they crossed. The first place they came to was Gilgal, which was on the outside of Jericho. And it just so happens centuries later, 
that John the Baptist is baptizing people at a place called Bethabara, which by that time just happened to be at the same place. Wow. Do you think we just have a little accident here? No, no, I think we've got God involved in what's going on. Now let's bridge the story here a little bit because Joshua just so happens to be the same name as Yeshua, who is Jesus. Not only that, but when Joshua crossed the Jordan River, it was the priests who went into the water. Well, it just so happens. Do you remember who John the Baptist is? His father was a priest. And so in the proper heritage of the priests of Israel, John the Baptist is a priest. Wow. And as Joshua and the priests went into the river, Jesus and John the priest go into the river. How many of you can see that the story isn't entirely about Joshua and the people of Israel? The story is about humanity and the Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, I'm doing all right so far. Everybody doing okay? I, I feel pretty good in Elmira today. Everybody all right? All right. So we find at this same place, in the same vicinity, you may remember from reading Scripture, John starts talking about stones, and the Pharisees are crying out, and he says, don't you think these stones will bear witness against you Pharisees? Some of you have read that. The stones he's talking about are the stones that were set in place by the people of Israel long ago in memory of what God just did for them. Do you see how it's tying together? It's pointing us to something greater than just a nation and a guy named Joshua. It's pointing to us, it's pointing to us to the even greater Joshua. We can see this in the Scripture. We fast-forwarded and found that Jesus and John the Baptist are at that same place crossing the Jordan. Now let's follow the thought again. Do you remember when Jesus comes and is baptized by John the Baptist? Do you remember that? And John kind of, what do you mean, me baptize you? You got this backwards, Jesus. If anybody needs to be baptized, it's me by you, not you by me. Jesus says, no, no. Permit it to be so, because it's, it, we, are, we are fulfilling all righteousness. I don't understand exactly what he meant, but there was something that Jesus saw as being essential to what's happening with John the Baptist at the Jordan River. But think for a moment, do you remember, where did Jesus go after he was baptized? Do you remember? Say again. Ah, he went into the wilderness. Where did Joshua and the people just come from when they crossed over? They came from the wilderness. So compared to Joshua and Israel, Jesus is going in reverse. Do you suppose there's any significance to this, or should we just close the book and go home? I, I think there's something here for us. So they crossed over from wilderness to promised land, He's come from Galilee, and he's crossing over to wilderness. He's going backwards. 
Now, there's a reason why I've gone on this little journey with you for a bit here. He's going in reverse. Now, I've already been up here for about 10 minutes. It's, it's time for me to give you the sermon title for today, if, if you have to have something like that. I know Mike needs something to put on the internet, so Mike, here comes your sermon for today, all right? Are you ready? Now, I'm not going to create a doctrine for you. I want us just to take a little walk today, so to speak. Here's what we'll call the message, just for the sake of having a title for our time together this morning. It's The Journey for the Ages. The Journey for the Ages. We remember that the time that Jesus came to John the Baptist, he really wasn't a prominent figure yet. He had grown up. We don't really have much. We, we read about him as a baby, and we read about him as a, about a 12-year-old boy in the temple, and he got into some trouble there, and Mary got a little upset, and then she figured out what was going on, and everything was okay. That's Christmas. We're in summertime now. But when he appears with John the Baptist, this is the first time since his birth when somebody is looking at Jesus and saying, here's the Lamb of God. That's what John the Baptist said about him. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the first time he's appearing and being counted as somebody of prominence. And we're seeing that there's a portrait of him centuries before in the Old Testament. He even carries the same name as the guy who led the nation across the Jordan. But now this Yeshua is going backwards. And some of you have learned in recent years, as I have, that this wasn't his first stop on the journey. It wasn't the first stop. What I mean by that is, I, I like to think of it this way, and, and, and don't, don't, don't think of this as doctrine. I'm just going to think of it as a, as a way that we can kind of follow the Scriptures. I don't call it a journey because God called it a journey. No, this, this is a Scott thing. It's a way that has helped me to understand it. And when I see Jesus making a stop at Joshua and fulfilling what was portrayed by Joshua, well, I can't help but think, where else did he stop? Could he have possibly stopped somewhere else? I think so. Let's take a little example here just to, just, just to kind of see what we find even in the Old Testament. Where was Jesus born? Ah, no trick question. Get out your Christmas decorations and you'll find out, right? <laughs> Turn on the music. He was born in Bethlehem. You find that in the Old Testament anywhere? I think so. One day the Lord speaks to a prophet named Samuel. And he says, Samuel, go to the house of Jesse, for I have chosen one of his sons to be the next king of Israel. I'm not going to tell you which one yet, but when you're there, you'll look at the boys, and when the time is right, I'll tell you. Do you happen to remember where Jesse lived? Lived in Bethlehem. And who was the son of Jesse who was chosen to be king? David. Still to this day regarded as the mightiest of all the kings of Israel. Was born in Bethlehem. Where was Jesus' first stop on the planet? <laughs> in Bethlehem. Now, wait a minute. It doesn't stop there. Remember, we're going on a little journey in the Old Testament. We started with Joshua just to kind of prime the pump. 
Now we're in Bethlehem with David, the great king. And who is, David, who is Jesus said to be? He's called, what, what it, even, the, even the blind men, when they called out to Jesus, they said, Son of David, have mercy on me. He's the great son of David. Do you remember another little story? This is actually after Joshua. A lady named Naomi has gone with her husband and her sons to the land of Moab because things weren't going so well in Israel in those days. And while their household is in Moab, her husband dies, her two sons die, and only she and her two daughters-in-law are left. She tells the daughters-in-law to go back to their households. One of them does, and the other one says, uh-uh, I ain't doing it. Wherever you go, you go. Wherever you go, I go. Your God, my God. Your family, my family. Whatever they say about you, they say about me. You and me, joined at the hip. That's my translation of it. It's not the King James Version, but anyway. Do you remember the other lady's name? Ruth. It's a book in the Old Testament. And so they return to Naomi's home, which just happened to be Bethlehem. And they encounter somebody else when they return to Bethlehem, and his name is Boaz. And Boaz just happens to be the most prominent figure of what is called redemption in the Old Testament. How many have read the book of Ruth? Remember the story? He's called the kinsman redeemer. Joshua, his name means savior. Boaz, his name means redeemer. We've already met the great King David. Now we've got his great descendant, the son of David. Now we have the reality of Boaz in the great redeemer, Jesus. And we've got the great savior. His name is Yeshua, just like the first guy. Are you with me on the journey so far? Are we doing okay? Only one stop in Bethlehem, and we found fulfillment of David, fulfillment of Boaz, all in this one guy, the Lord Jesus Christ. Where else could we stop? I suppose we could stop many places. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Ooh, it's hot in there. And the king looks in and says, hmm? One, two, three. One, two. One, two. Did we put three guys in there? Yeah, king. One, two, three, four. What's going on? I think we just found Jesus again. Wow. The journey through the ages. We can find Jesus with Joseph. We can find Jesus with Jacob. We can find him with Isaac. We can find him with Abraham. You can journey all the way back through the Old Testament. And you'll find, as I said, it's not just a book about a nation long ago. There's that element of it. But it's all pointing us to someone greater. It's all pointing us to salvation and redemption and the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God and the eternal well-being of really humanity because of what God has worked on our behalf. Amen. The Bible opens to us when we take Jesus on the journey. Let's just make maybe a couple more stops here this morning.
because we have Jesus baptized. We have him baptized. First of all, what does baptism speak of? Any of you been baptized in water? Okay. Where you were put under the water? Now, that's not where baptism ends. They let you up again, right? We want baptism, not murder. We're not not interested. We want you to come back up again, right? So we are baptized. What, What are we saying? When you're put under the water, what's that? That's a picture of death. This is what the New Testament tells us. You were buried with him in baptism. But he didn't stay dead. So if we remember our message from last week, if he didn't stay dead, then you didn't stay dead either because you were joined with him. So when you're baptized, you are buried, and then you are raised to new life with Christ. Well, it's similar. The picture is right there with Joshua and the people of Israel. They'd been wandering in the wilderness with Moses for years. And the picture given to us is when they cross the Jordan, they die to their time with Moses. And they find new beginning with Joshua. That's just the picture. Did you have life before you met Jesus? Yeah, you did. You had some experiences. Not all of them were bad. A lot of them were good. Right? But we're told if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. We're told that we died to sin. We died to the old person, and we find new life in Christ Jesus. It's pictured for us in Joshua. It's fulfilled for us in Jesus. He's baptized. And then his journey continues for those three or three and a half years walking with his disciples, teaching the people, healing the sick, casting out the enemy, raising the dead, doing all those good things with his disciples, doing them alongside him at times. And then he comes to the cross. Here's another stop on the journey. What happened with Israel before they left Egypt with Moses? What did God give them? On the night before they left, he gave them the Passover. And do you remember in the Passover, they would take the blood of the lamb or the blood of a lamb, and what would they do with it? Ah, they would sprinkle it on the top, on the sides, and on the lintel. What did you just see in the, in the Old Testament? Jesus on the cross. The Passover lamb is pointing us to him. He is the fulfillment of the portrait that was given us in Moses. Amen. It's telling us again of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Passover lamb was said, it, it was a portrait of what would be fulfilled in the history of Israel. They were being redeemed from Egypt. But the greater picture is the redemption, not just of one nation, but of all of humanity through the true Passover lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ. Take them with you on the journey, and the, and the Bible begins to open up. Even those portions where you first went, wow. You find Jesus there. I like to think of it this way. It's almost like when, when, I, 
When I go to a story in the Bible like the one we've just read from Joshua, or where I read about the Passover, or where I read about David, or I read about Isaiah 53 that we talked about last week, he himself bore our sins in his own body, and all those, all those references to Christ. It's almost like he, he just points his head out, peeks out from behind the page and gives a little wave. Yeah, that's me. That's me. When you read about, oh my goodness, when you're plowing through the book of Leviticus, Simply because that's what came up in your daily devotional, and you had to do it or you'd feel loud. No, you wouldn't. You don't know. Have you ever tried to power through the book of Leviticus? Oh, boy. But when you take Jesus with you, and you read about those different feasts, and you read about the sacrifices, you'll find them there because they're pointing us to him the experiences of Israel, and even, even their calendar, all the things that they were to observe at different times of the year, is pointing us to Him. You get to the Feast of Weeks, which becomes for us the day of Pentecost. It's portraying something for us that's fulfilled in Jesus. Remember, this isn't a doctrine. This is a way of kind of thinking through the Scriptures. Jesus crosses over the Jordan with John the Baptist, and he goes into the wilderness like he's going backwards. And all of these stops that he makes, I, I don't mean he literally went to all those places, but when, he's, when you read in the, in the gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, when Jesus or anybody else mentions the name of somebody found in the Old Testament, stop and think about it for a bit. Why would he speak of Abraham here? Why would he speak of Jacob here? Why would he mention David here? There's, there's something to this. I don't know them all. I'm sure we could explore it for eternity because God's pretty big. He knows a lot. He's told a lot of story. But when we take Jesus with us on the journey, even through the Scriptures, it opens up to us. Let me give you just a couple of more. Are we doing okay today? Here's a prominent one. I, I, I didn't intend to, to, to throw this one in, but I will before I go to the, the last place that I, that I wanted to go today. John chapter 4. Jesus gets up one day, <laughs> and he says, we're going to go north, guys, to his disciples. And the scripture says this, he needed to go through Samaria. Oh, it is on there. I didn't even mean for the map to help me. Do you see in green, Samaria? So it's Samaria, you're on the west side of the Jordan River. But here's the deal. In those days, no self-respecting Jew ever needed to go through Samaria. The Samaritans were not popular people with the Jews. And yet Jesus says, the, the, the Scripture says, he needed to go through Samaria. I'm sure the disciples went, what? No, we go the long route just to avoid that. No, we're going. And Jesus comes to Samaria. Do you remember the story? Who does he meet? He meets a woman. Where? At a well. Now, it just so happens, this is again, let's take Jesus on the journey with us. The Scripture says this, the well 
was at a plot of ground that Jacob gave to Joseph. Wow. And it's in that story where Jesus says to the woman at the well, he says, you drink this natural water, you got to keep coming back here because you keep getting thirsty. But if you knew who I was, you'd ask me to give you a drink because anybody who drinks the water that I give will have the well up in them that is everlasting life. Now, we don't see this in the Old Testament until we bring Jesus with us. Here's what I draw from what I just quoted to you from John chapter 4. What did I say? That well was near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to Joseph. And Jesus uses the natural well as an illustration of giving us life eternal through himself. Now take that back to the Old Testament and the reference to, jo to Joseph and Jacob. Do you remember who Joseph was? <laughs> he was the one all the other brothers hated because daddy liked them so much. You remember that? He got the fancy coat. He was number 11 out of 12. And numbers 1 through 10 couldn't stand the guy. Now he didn't do himself any favors. He had some dreams, and if he'd kept his mouth shut, he might have been a little better off. But he didn't, and he wasn't. Do you remember he ended up thrown in the pit? And then they pulled him out and sold him? Now, I, should, I, I won't take time for the whole story today, but there is Jesus all through that story too, by the way. If you, you see what's written in the New Testament and run back with it to the Old Testament, you go, Phew. he was there the whole time. But back to the woman at the well. The plot of ground was given to Joseph by Jacob. Here's the thought. The water, or the, the picture is water, but we'll say it this way. The everlasting life that Jesus spoke of comes to us through what the Father gave the beloved Son. Wow. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The beloved son, remember what the apostle John wrote earlier, in the beginning was the word. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And as flesh, being one of us, he was given every good thing on our behalf. Just like the well was given to Joseph by Jacob, every good thing for humanity was given by the Father to the Son so everybody else could have it. Somebody's catching it back there. That's good. It's Jesus. He was there on the... The Bible even says things I don't understand, like Jesus was the rock that was with them in the wilderness. I don't know what that means. But it tells me, what, what, wait, we had the song this morning. That was you on the screen who was singing. It was Russ. What did the song begin with? You were the Word at the beginning. One with God, the Lord Most High. The Word from the beginning became flesh and dwelt among us and delivered to us every good thing that the Father always wanted us to have. Ooh, I feel good right now. That's all right. I didn't deserve it. If you were here last week, you remember, I'm not the common denominator. I don't make the math work. But he does. 
when he's the center of reference, when he's the point of every good thing, and we remember that he is because the Father loves. Amen. Take him on the journey all the way back. Are we okay for just a couple more minutes? I didn't finish my last one yet. We got to finish with Joshua again. Do you still have Joshua open? If not, please reopen it because we've got to see this one. We didn't make a lot of stops on the journey. I'm going to encourage you, take your Bible, take Jesus with you, and just go back and do some reading. Go back and find the stories about David. Read about David and Jonathan. Read about David and Mephibosheth. If you've never read that story, that is redemption start to finish. Read about Daniel. Read more about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Read the book of Galatians and then take Jesus back and read about Abraham with what you've read from Galatians about Abraham. Take them with you. Back to Joshua for just a moment. Are you there? Everybody okay? Joshua chapter 3. Let me go back to verse 15. As, though, as those who bore the ark came to the Jordan. Think again. Remember? It's Joshua and the priests, but we also know this is a picture of Jesus and John. As they came to the Jordan, the feet of the priests who bore the ark dipped in the edge of the water. For the Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time of harvest. And it came to pass that the waters which came down from upstream, they stood still, and they rose in a heap. Keep your eyes on the page right now. Are you watching? The waters rose in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zaratan. So the waters that went down into the Sea of Arabah, the Salt Sea, the Dead Sea, those waters failed and were cut off, and the people crossed over opposite Jericho. What is the Jordan doing? It's descending to the Dead Sea. We could say it this way. The Jordan is a picture of humanity's descent to death. Did you read in the book of Romans where the Apostle Paul says this? Sin entered the world by Adam, and death through sin, and death spread to everybody. You didn't do it. I didn't do it. The first guy did it. The river started flowing down. And where does it end? It ends in the dead. There's a picture here for us. We're on a journey. Now let's take Jesus with us in the journey. Oh boy. We saw him with Joshua. We saw him with David. We saw him with Boaz. We saw him with Moses. We saw him with Joseph and with Jacob. We can find him with Isaac. Some of you don't realize what I'm doing here. I'm going backwards chronologically through the Old Testament. David was after Boaz. Boaz was after Joshua. Joshua was after Moses. Moses was after Joseph. There's a few steps in between. I'm not hitting them all. I don't know that much. 
Where did I stop? Moses. Moses was after Joseph. Joseph was after Jacob. Jacob after Isaac. Isaac after Abraham. Abraham didn't get feedback, so I'm going to start over back here. Abraham was after Noah. There's a lot of years in between, but you get the idea. Noah was after Seth. Seth was after Cain and Abel. They were all descendants of Adam. How many of you are following my journey? Oh, this is going to get even better as we finish up. You see the last scripture reference there? Why don't we turn to that one as we finish up today? John chapter 19. Let's have a look at that one. But as you're turning there, remember what we read. Joshua and the priests enter the Jordan. And the scripture says, the waters which came down from upstream stood still, and they rose up in a heap very far away at Adam. And the waters failed and were cut off at Adam when Joshua and the priests entered the river. I'm taking you somewhere. Did you go to John chapter 19? If you did, you're ahead of me, and that's all right. John chapter 19. Let me know when you have it there. Who's got it? John chapter 19. We're late in the passage there. John chapter 19, verses 41 and 42. We stopped for a minute with the Israelites at Passover. I'm going to mention one other thing quickly. Abraham and his beloved son, Isaac. God says to Abraham, take now your son, your only son whom you love, and go to the place I'll show you, and there sacrifice him to me. Do you remember that story? It boggles my mind. I don't get it. But if you know the story, Isaac didn't end up dead. Isaac is a portrait of something greater coming. Isaac, what did he do? He carried the wood. Remember, he says, I got the wood. Daddy, you got the knife. Oh, you just got it. You're, getting this, you're on this journey with me here. This is good. Isaac's carrying the wood. He says, Daddy, actually probably didn't say dad. He was not a baby. He was actually almost a grown man when this story occurred, by the way. If he wanted out, he could have probably given his dad a good shot in the gut and walked away, but he didn't do that. Dad, you got the fire. You got the knife. I got the wood. Where's the lamb? Where's the ram? Where's the sacrifice? Abraham says, my son, the Lord himself will provide the sacrifice. Oh, I can't. We might, we might be here till supper if I, I don't. But if you read the rest of the story, Abraham was fully intent on doing what he, was know, what he knew God had told him to do. The angel of the Lord appears just in time. Don't harm the boy. Abraham looks up. What does he see? He sees a ram. And where's the ram? He's caught in the thicket. We'll say it this way. He's caught in the thorns by his head. Anybody else you know get his head caught with thorns? Who did? Jesus did. Take him on the journey with you. I look at some of you and I see tears are almost ready to come out of your eyes because they come out of my eyes when I journey with Jesus in the Old Testament. He's been there the whole time. 
He was there as Abraham and Isaac climbed the hill. Somebody once said it this way, when they were going up the hill, the ram was going up the other side. And it was there right on time. Here's our final stop for today, because you, you got to John chapter 19 way ahead of me. Remember, I did a little walk, and we got all the way back to Adam, where, Joshua, where the book of Joshua says, those waters stood up all the way back to a city called Adam, and they were cut off, and they failed. We're introduced to Adam in the book of Genesis, of course, and he and Eve are placed in the garden. That's amazing to me. Let's read in John. Are you there? John chapter 19, verses 41 and 42, speaking of Jesus. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So there they laid Jesus because of the Jews' preparation day, for the tomb was nearby. If you remember from other portions of the New Testament, the Apostle Paul uses these terms, the first Adam and the last Adam. Jesus rises from the dead on the first day of the week, and the first person to encounter him is a woman who's in tears. Her name is Mary. She looks into the empty tomb, and she's crying, and a voice behind her says, woman, why are you crying? And the Scripture says this, she turned and supposing him to be the gardener. Now we go, oh silly Mary, you're just full of, you're just full of emotion and you're mistaken. It wasn't the gardener, it was Jesus. But she wasn't entirely wrong. Because the first Adam was in fact a gardener. And the last Adam was carried in his death to a garden. And the last Adam was raised to new life in a garden. Wow. Quite a journey. Quite a journey. What did Joshua say? The waters were made to stand up all the way back to a city called Adam. Jesus steps into that same Jordan at the beginning of his prominence. And I love to think of it this way. He went on a little journey. He went into the wilderness that they had came out of. And he journeys back through history. I love the fact that he didn't stop with Moses or or. Uh, Jacob, because that tells me what God has done transcends the one prominent nation of the Old Testament. He doesn't stop at Jacob. He doesn't stop at Isaac. He doesn't stop even at Abraham. He goes back and deals with Moses, or Noah, I should say. And where do we find him in his death and resurrection? He's all the way back in the garden where the first Adam was put into the world, 
The last Adam was raised again for the salvation of all the world. Are we okay for today? I know I didn't dance around up here and make you laugh a whole lot today. But I love the journey. Because even those portions of the Old Testament where I previously went, now when I take Jesus with me in the journey of my reading, I find that the Holy Spirit is there with me. There he is again. He's over there too. You found him in Boaz, there's your redemption. You found him in David because he's the king of kings. You found him in Noah because he's the ark of our salvation. You found him in Joseph because the well was given to him and the water of life comes to all through him. It's not just about one nation and it's certainly not about me. The story is about him. Somebody once said that the gospel is a diamond. You can look at it at so many different angles. It appears different, differently. But it's the same diamond. Joshua gives us a view of Jesus. Moses gave us a view of Jesus. Abraham gives us a view of Jesus. All pointing us to him from last week who is our common denominator our center of reference, our righteousness, our holiness, our health, our healing, our well-being, our wisdom, our ability to be the vessel of God's love and God's grace and God's kindness. It's all centered for us in the person of Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus, thank you for who you are and all you've given us. Thank you for the joy that we find in the knowledge of your love. Thank you for the world that we see around us and can see through the eyes of your love. Thank you that your grace has abounded towards us and your grace works in us and through us. Thank you, O oh Father, that you so love the world that you have given this beloved Son and that in him all of humanity finds their place in your household again as you've always ordained it to be. Thank you, O oh Jesus, that you are present with us at every moment by your Holy Spirit. And as we consider your word, we find you there. As we go about our daily activity, you are there with your wisdom. You are there with your peace. Thank you, O oh Savior, that you are in fact the Savior, the one who has done all that is needed on our behalf. When we had nothing to contribute, you've worked every good thing for us. Thank you, O oh Savior, for who you are and all you've done. It's in your name we pray together today. Amen. Amen. Well, great to have been with you again today. Rod, will you come and help us continue?